Well, hey, Christ Fellowship, I'm Van. I actually serve as one of the pastors here at the West Kendall location. So big shout out to my West Kendall family and Christ Fellowship. Hopefully you had a Merry Christmas and wherever you're watching from, we're so glad that you tuned in. Well, one of the things you need to know about me is I have two kids and their names are Luke and Leia and they're actually named after Star Wars characters. Now, the question I get asked often is, Van, if you had a third child, what would you name your third child? You know, that question actually terrifies me because when it comes to Star Wars characters, I don't know that many of them. And the only one that comes to my mind is Chewbacca. You know what else I know? Is that when it relates to, comes, when it comes to family counseling, childhood trauma is expensive. Another thing you need to know is that there's another member of my family that bears a Star Wars name. And that is my dog named Obi. And you've guessed it. He's named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. And listen, Obi is beloved by my family members in my household. And maybe you're, you're a pet lover, you love your pets. You know, there's actually numerous studies that have been shown of how dogs have a positive effect with their owners. That's right, the more that an owner stays with a dog and hangs out with a dog, it actually yields positive effect in an owner's life. One of those ways is cosmetically right? And you might be asking, how is that possible? Well, over time, dog owners begin to start to look like their dogs. In fact, one British photographer made a fun scene about this where he took dog owners and their dogs, took a portrait and put a side-by-side comparison. And the comparison was uncanny. And not only do you see the benefits of uh, dog owners receiving from their dogs, cosmetically, but you also see this when it comes to health as well as well-being. In 2011, according to a study by the American Psychological Association, they said that dog owners exuded and, and uh, had positive effects in relation to less stress and, and more joy in their lives. They were more courageous, experienced less fear and less isolation than people who did not own dogs. And so this is really what the conclusion of what the study is. The more that a dog owner stays with a dog and hangs out with them, the positive characteristics and the positive effect that can transfer into an owner. This will probably make you want to adopt a dog. Now, let me bring that over to today's teaching because what an image that can happen in the Christian life as it relates to change and growth in a Christian. And by that, I mean that just as a dog owner, by staying close to and hanging out to a dog, they receive and have positive effects and characteristics, just as a Christian can experience the same way. They can benefit by staying close to Jesus. They can experience the blessings and the overflow of godly characteristics in their lives. And so here's my big idea for today. We experience change. We experience transformation when we stay close to Jesus and allow his perfect life to live and shine through us. Now, this is what we all desire, don't we not? Especially around this time of year, right? The moment after Christmas and anticipating and ushering in the new year, we get very reflective. We we get very uh, uh, conscientious about having a better future, making ourselves better, different. And we can even envision a better version of ourselves. And we create New Year's resolution because this is really a moment of hope and optimism. And, and, And so, If you've done this long enough, these New Year's resolutions, you can probably know that it also comes with a bit of frustration along with some hope. 
And here's a frustration. Well, not only is New Year's Eve the shortest holiday, it's only a one second holiday, frustration, but this happens every single year, right? 11.59, we get excited. We're anticipating of the new year. One second passes, it's midnight, the ball drops, fireworks explode. We are cheering, we're calling our loved ones. We go over to someone and give them, well, an elbow, because this time of year, it's an elbow, right? And, and, and listen, with all the anticipation and hope and optimism, what's frustrating is that nothing actually changes. See, yeah, it might be a new calendar year, but you're still the same you. You're, you're still at the same place. You still find yourself in the same circumstances of life. And nothing actually changes in the passing of time. And sure, maybe you, you have hopes for a better financial future, but you're still out of a job. You're still in debt. And maybe for you, you hope that things will get better and your relationships will go stronger and richer, but we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And nothing actually changes unless, of course, something changes within us. And, and so here's the question that I want to answer into today's teaching. How do we, how do we change in the Christian life that takes us deeper in, in, into our change and transformation in Christ? And how do we grow in 2021? Well, we're gonna find out as we look into Jesus's teaching in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15, verse one, or if you have the Christ Fellowship app, open it up there and be prepared to fill in the blanks. So John chapter 15, beginning in verse one, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Another good word for that is a, he's the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you have been cleaned because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now listen to what verse four says. This is what Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. So how do we change? How do we grow in 2011? Well, write this down and fill in the blank in your app. The way that we grow is when we abide in Christ. Now, now we need to unpack some terms here to understand what this meaning is. One of the terms is, what does abide mean? Like it's not part of our regular language and, and the, the way that we use this word abide. What does it mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, well simply put, abiding in Christ is simply just staying close to Jesus. Another translation puts it this way, remain in him, right? Stay connected to, stay attached to Jesus. The, the best translation for this is to make a home in Jesus, make an abode in Jesus. And by doing so, you will bear much fruit and you will experience change and transformation and growth in your life. And this is, this is, this is the constant reality because if the, the, the ideology is this, the ideology is this, that if Jesus is the source of life, that in Jesus is the abundant life that in John 10, 10 says that I have, have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. If he's the source of life, then why is it that we are chasing after giving our lives to other things that will not give us abundant life? Shouldn't we go to the source? In fact, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. If you wanna get warm, you must get close to the fire. If you want to get wet, you actually have to get in the water. And if you want joy, if you want power, if you want eternal life and peace, well, you actually have to stay close or get into the very source that provides that 
in your life. And that is Jesus. Jesus says this, that if you stay close to me, if you abide in me, you will see change and transformation. You will bear fruit. Now, now that's the other term that we need to unpack. What is fruit? I mean, so, so imagine this picture that Jesus is laying out, that the father is the gardener and, and this is his vineyard and Jesus is the vine. And when we stay attached to Jesus, when we remain in Jesus, we will bear fruit. Now, now again, what is that fruit? Well, I think Paul in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 tells us what this fruit is. Paul says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit that God desires to see in your life. That is the fruit that will, will produce in your life that will bring glory to the Father. That is the fruit that God is wanting to produce in your life in 2021. Now, now we, we have to understand the, the, the concept though. Where does this fruit come from? Notice, it's not gonna come from our sheer willpower or willing it for ourselves and doing it at our own strength. Remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of van. It's the fruit of the Spirit when we abide in Christ. In fact, here's what Jesus would continue to say on this whole concept. Beginning in verse four, he says this, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches and whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Now, again, these are agrarian terms that we're probably not familiar with because you know, we, don't, we don't work in a farm or we don't live and work in places like, like that. And so we were probably unfamiliar of that. And if, if we weren't smart enough, we would think that how fruit comes to us is manufactured, right? I remember asking my daughter, uh, I said, Leia, uh, where does apples come from? And you know what she told me? Well, she said, duh, dad comes from Publix. You know, you get a bag, you put, you put an apple there and we weigh it, right? And, and if we didn't know any better, we think that fruit comes manufactured. If we didn't know any better, we would think that the Christian life to experience joy and change and transformation is manufactured fruit. And can I just tell you, you cannot manufacture Christ-likeness in your life. Listen, you can probably manufacture a better version of yourself, good behaviors, but you cannot manufacture. Only when you abide in Christ, that's when you produce good fruit. You see, Jesus was organic before organic was cool, right? I and mean, Jesus was organic before Whole Foods charged a high premium on produce. And here's the thing. It actually goes against our modern notions of what we think success is, doesn't it not? When we think about success, especially when it comes to our New Year's resolution, we have to go, go, go at it. We have to earn it. We have to make things happen. What Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so here's where that kind of mentality can kind of seep into the Christian life and our discipleship to Jesus is when we think that, okay, the Christian life, Jesus has saved me. Now I have to go live for him and prove my worth to him, right? We think that God is good, we're bad. And so just try harder. See you next week at church. What we think is this, that we are saved by grace alone, 
But when it comes to sanctification and the Christian life, we don't need that God's grace. We need our own efforts and our own earnings. And, and so that can be a very problematic and destructive thing when we view that in the Christian life. You know what that's called? That's called sin management. That's called behavior modification. And you know what behavior modification, I, I kind of liken it to, I don't know if you've ever done this, but using your body to submerge a beach ball underwater. You ever done that? Maybe like at a pool where, where you, you use your body to, to kind of suppress and submerge a beach ball underwater and you're successful at a time but the moment that you start going weary, the moment that you start getting tired, the moment, uh, the moment of weakness, you give up and eventually that beach ball will make its way back to the surface. Now, if you ever done this, you know that it's not very graceful or very gentle. It'll, it will come up to the surface with force and smack you on the head. Well, same goes with behavior modification. We think that we can do the Christian life on our own. We think that, well, by suppressing it below the surface, that we can produce good fruits. It doesn't work that way. See, because what the Bible says is that our hearts are deceitful above all things. That our hearts is deceitful. And so here's what we do. We just like to bring it below the surface and not actually experience true change. But what, here's what we do. We create good filters and robust behavior uh, modifications. But I don't know if you've ever done this because here's what the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like, like have you ever done this? Have you ever said uh, a, a statement that you regretted? Maybe it was a crude joke. Maybe it was a harsh word. Maybe it was a racist comment. And maybe it's not just your language, but maybe your actions. Or maybe you blew up in front of your child or your spouse, or you got angry and you lashed out at a coworker. And, and you try to justify yourself in saying, I'm so sorry, I didn't know where this came from. This is not like me. Well, well here's the problem with that statement. You, you know exactly where that comes from. It comes from the heart. You just had a good system of a filter to submerge that beach ball under the water. But in the moment of weakness, the moment where you go tired and weary and it broke through your filters, it, it broke through your behavior modification, robust system, it reared its ugly head. And see, just because you have good systems of behavior modification, it doesn't mean that you've truly changed inside. And what Jesus is saying this, if you think you can do it on your own, you are mistaken. And so how true change can happen in your life, how growth can happen in your life, is not behavior modification, it's by abiding in Christ. And add this to your app in the fill in the blank as point number two. Not only do we need to abide in Christ, but Christ needs to abide in us. Here's what Jesus continues to say in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You see that? If you abide in Christ and his words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So in other words, it's not just enough to abide in Christ, but we need to create space in our heart, in our soul, where we are allowing Christ to nourish his truth, the means of grace through community and fellowship and, and, and the spiritual disciplines in our lives. That needs to abide in our lives as well. That needs to make its home in our hearts and our soul as well. And when we do that, here's what Jesus says, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now, I like this verse, right? I mean, maybe you might be thinking, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean that Jesus says, ask whatever you want? I mean, maybe for you, you're, you're thinking, man, I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. Um, and, and so 
I mean, I, I threw the little hints on my Amazon shopping cart, my little text here and there, but I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. So does that mean if I ask God whatever I want, he will give it to me as if he's some cosmic vending machine? Well, no, context is important here. What is the thing that we're asking? Well, the context is fruit. What we're asking is for more joy, more peace, more more loving kindness, more self-control. When we ask for those things, if we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, that God will give that to us. And, And here's why. Because when we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, then our heart becomes God's heart. Now our agenda becomes God's agenda. Our desires become God's desire. So when we ask for things, he will greatly grant it to us because it's our heart. We're aligned with him because we abiding in him and his word is abiding in us. I remember this one time where I felt particularly benevolent as a parent and I took my kids to Five Below, which is kind of a store that the majority of its products around the range of $5, some a little more, some a little less. And so one particular day I told my kids, Hey, you know what? You can go to the store and pick three, any three items in the store and you can have it. And, and so my son being very cunning that he is, he says, well, I'm going to pick the most expensive things in the store. Now, my daughter, she was a little bit at that time and she's very conscientious at that time. And, and, and she actually doesn't like to waste dad's money. And so I'm taking her down the aisle and she's very cautious. And, and, and so I asked her, whatever you want. And she gets this little chocolate coin that's worth like 50 cents. And I'm like, Leah, no, no, whatever you want. And so we go back through the aisles again and she, she actually chooses this, this hand sanitizer because she loves the smell and there's rainbows on it. And I'm like, Leah, Leah, no, whatever you want. And she got so overwhelmed by me asking that here's what she said. Dad, I want you to choose what my three toys are because I know that you will pick the toys that I want. And see, that's what Jesus is saying here, that when we abide in Christ and his words abide in me, when our heart becomes God's heart, that we come to this dependent trust in our heavenly father, because we know what he wants is ultimately best for us. So now how do we grow in in, in the Christian life? And how do we change? Well, one, we need to abide in Christ. And two, we need to allow his word to abide in us and fill us in the blank on your app as point number three that we need to abide in God's love. Here's what verse eight says. Sorry, verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Listen to what verse nine says. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. And here's the point. Abide in my love. You wanna know what the greatest power to change in this world is when we understand and are captivated by the love of God in our lives. When we understand fully well that the great love of God for us is so strong and so powerful that it goes so beyond us, that has the power to change even the hardest of hearts. In fact, this is what Paul says in Romans. It's actually the kindness of God. You can even say the love of God that leads us to repentance. See, change does not happen, at least genuine change does not happen through fear. Now you can make someone take actions through fear, but you can't ultimately make someone change if you're not loving them. In fact, here's what Jesus says. 
as the Father has loved me. How much does the Father love the Son? Well, that answer you and I can never fully know. We can read about it in the Bible. We can have songs about it. We can have sermons about it. We can make movies about it, but we will never grasp the immense love that the Father has for the Son. And get what Jesus says next. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. That God demonstrates his love for you. That God sets his affection on you. Not when you got your life together, not when you made your resolutions and you crushed them. How God set his affection on you is actually beyond you. When God set his affection on you. And that, my friends, changes our hearts, doesn't it not? It actually changes some of the desires that, you know, when you look at your resolutions are things in your life that you feel like you want to get better, that there are some vices that you are experiencing. There's things in your past that you can't get past. And so you're looking at it over again, year after year. And you know how you replace those desires? You know how you replace those vices? Is when you experience a greater love. In the classic Greek epic poem, the Argonautics, in this, this Greek poem is the story of uh, Jason and the Argonauts taking a voyage to recapture a golden fleece. And they're met with many dangers and many monsters. But one of the dangers that far exceeds all the other ones were what was known as sirens. Sirens were these kind of mermaid-like creatures that were beautiful and they had a beautiful song, but they were very seductive and very deceptive because they would, they would lure sailors into by this beautiful voice and their beautiful appearance. And they would lure sailors into a murderous, because they're, they're murderous cannibals. And so Jason and the Argonauts knew exactly what they were up against. So, so as they're taking voyage into the sea, knowing that there's sirens around, you know what they did? They enlisted the, the, the work of Orpheus. Who was Orpheus? Well, Orpheus was this legendary lyre player who created beautiful songs. And so as they're headed to this temptation of the sirens around them, it was drowned out because Orpheus had a much more beautiful song that captivated their hearts. And friends, can I just tell you, when it comes to your resolution, when it comes to the things that you wanna change in your life, those are the things that have ensnared you. Those are the things that have captivated your minds. And the reality is what you need is a better song. What you need is Jesus and his beauty and understanding of his love for you that will drown out all the other voices. It's what Scottish preacher Thomas Chambers says, the expulsion of a greater affection in our lives. Because here's what we know. What we know is that knowledge does not solve our greatest ills. We're ultimately people who love things. We're, we're driven by love. See, the, the Enlightenment movement told us that, that the more that we know, the more that we'll become better civilized people. And that's what Rene Descartes says, right? Uh, I think, therefore I am. But here's the problem with that, especially as it relates to your resolutions. When we think about our, our look, we, we know there are things that like, so for example, in my resolutions year after years, there's the priority to lose weight and get fit. Every single year, there's a priority. And listen, I know I need to do that. Listen, I know the literature. I've read the fads. I've read the trends. And I read all these things, how my doctor constantly reminds me. But just because I know it doesn't mean that I actually wills me to change. You know why I don't change? Because I love donuts. I love donuts. And see, ultimately, we are driven by our loves. 
And for you, the reason why you have vices and it's hard for you to change is because you need a better song, something else that captivates your heart and your mind, and that's Christ and his love. It's like the modern hymn that sometimes we sing that says this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. In other words, we can simply add, abide in Christ and let his words abide in you and abide in his love. And as the song goes, then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Christ, that's my hope for you this upcoming year that you would fix your eyes on Jesus in 2021, that you would abide in him and allow his word and the means of his grace to abide in you and to remind yourself of his great love for you. And then, and then true transformation, change and growth can happen in 2021. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you because you are the good father who's the gardener, who is pruning us so that we can bear much fruit. God, help us to realize that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. This Christian life, this behavior modification cannot happen. True and lasting change cannot happen apart from Christ. So God, help us as we repent of our ways of doing Christianity on our own. We need your grace. We need more of you. And so help us, Lord, to abide in you. Help us to stay close to you. Help us, Lord, when things in this world captivate our minds and our hearts and our affections, help us to see Jesus more beautiful so that we can turn to you. And in doing so, we can bear much fruit for the glory of God, our Father. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, Christ Fellowship, I love you. Have a happy new year. God bless you.